Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Satyajit Rai is one of India's most prolific film directors. His films deal with the struggles we as humans have on this earth. Following a very Dickensian approach to storytelling, Rai weaves masterpieces of film that are both visually stunning and have a strong message to tell. In this episode, we are going to discuss his films Sharolata, made in 1964, and Devi, 1960. Both are adaptations of literature dealing with the change of social and cultural norms India faces as it transitions into the modern age. Sharolata, based upon the 1901 novella The Broken Nest by Rabindrana Tagore, centers on Sharolata, who is alienated and unhappy in her marriage. Her husband, to help her, convinces his cousin Amal to spend time with Sharu. Amal and Sharu bond over their sacred love of art. But over time, a sexual attraction develops with heartbreaking results. Following a similar feminist viewpoint of a woman trapped by her culture or her own life, Rise Devi tackles the deification of a woman taken to the extreme. When the father-in-law of Doyomoe has a dream of her as a goddess, he convinces the locals to worship her. As more and more people ask her to heal their children, she begins to believe herself a goddess. When her husband tries to intervene, tragedy strikes. Welcome to Film Detectives in the brand new year of 2021. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. It's uh, good to be back in this new year. Hopefully it's going to be a good one. And so... <laughs> yeah, but hey, I mean, out of 2020, we got the we got the Film Detectives podcast. So we came up with the idea. That is true. And, you know, uh, and it's going well. And we're able to watch these great films and and talk to you guys about it and stuff. So that's, that's always good. So speaking of great films, Elliot, <laughs> a, a perfect segue. How about the films for this past week i mean my goodness what a what a yeah <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't think of a word there just, yeah. yeah that that's a good way to describe it trevor yes these two films sharolata and devi directed by satyajit ray um one of india's most prolific directors and i found that with both these films they really tackle what it means to be a woman in indian society yeah i would agree and i feel like devi of course explores you know with religion but it also explores that whole feminist look at how women are viewed basically because you know although she is viewed as a high deity in that movie at the same time she's really not viewed that high because she's kind of stuck where she's at and she has to answer to everybody even though she's so high up she's still looked down upon i feel like personally yeah what ray's trying to say is he starts us off in both films actually showing the women trapped in a prison within their own home actually he references that kind of trap sense by just the mundane stuff that they are doing at like these activities like just trying to make themselves busy not really being able to express themselves in their husband's lives they're kind of put away from everyone and just made to do house chores or just come up with games especially in Charolata you know her husband's so busy with the newspaper business that he doesn't have time to pay attention to her or actually connect with her on a intellectual level even he just kind of figures oh she reads okay let's get someone let's get her a playmate but that's the reality of the of the film with that it's a great representation of what india was going through at the time because you know this is during the 1960s Sharolata was made in 1964 devi was made in 1960 the 60s for india it was a 
an era of transition, the old into the new modern age. So they were doing away with a lot of their old traditions. What Rai was really about was showing that it's okay that we are going into a modern age and we need to embrace more Western traditions rather than stay in our very chauvinistic past. I really feel like with Charlotte, once uh, you know the husband brings his cousin Amal to be kind of Charlotte's companion while he's playmate, yeah. playmate <laughs> basically. And, and same with one of uh, his co-workers' wives is even brought in as like a playmate at first. And then she's still bored because this woman uh, that is brought in, Charlotte basically cannot connect with her on a intellectual level and because they don't read the same books. I don't even think the woman actually reads anything. And she's very representative of the old culture of India. And Charlotte kind of represents the newer, more modern, forward-thinking viewpoint of what especially Indian women were going through at the time. And Charlotte basically doesn't find her companion uh, until Amal comes along and a sexual uh, attraction develops along with that intellectual attraction. Yeah. And I think also, you know, in regards to, you know, focusing on women and how they're viewed, I also think it is uh, in Charlotte, almost, you know, how she's more of an artist, right? And her husband's more of the, you know, I guess you get your hands dirty. I feel like that's also a way the film also kind of looks at the arts. A lot of people don't understand artists and they don't get them, you know, like, what's the purpose of you? Because she's a lot more, you know, artistic and even with her reading, and stuff. And then Amal comes along and he understands her. So I kind of feel like you can also tie in the whole artist or a different type of being into that film as well. Well, yeah, Amal and Chato represent the love of the arts, the love of knowledge and intellectualism. And, you know, the husband, even Bupati, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, guys, if, if we are kind of butchering these things. In advance. <laughs> yes. But Bupati, the husband of Chato, you know, he even tells Amal, like, you know, I had none of when he starts going into this very poetic verse and song, he literally says, I don't want any of that in my paper because he's a very traditionalist, almost conservative in a way, because he represents the old traditions just hanging on and clinging on for dear life to stay afloat during this change in the culture. But Inevitably, it leads to him losing the connection he has with his wife, Chadu. Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up because it, it seems to be, you know, that, that most uh, artists are a little bit more liberalistic. And like you were saying, you know, the husband's a lot more conservative, which is, you know, more your cookie cutter type of kind of just, you know, make money, do this thing, do that type of thing, you know, da, 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 da. you're not you're not really looking for change, right? You're just kind of looking for that. And correct me if I'm wrong here. They didn't want to change. They are very stuck in their ways and their heritage and, and the past. But with this film, especially also with Devi, Rai is saying that we need to change and you have to let go of the past in order to come into the future and be a part of the future. Because if not, you know, you're just stuck in your ways to the detriment of the society. Going to Devi's message, you know, a woman is deified to the point of almost like, you know, well, she's deified and 
uh, cast in the god image or goddess image because her father-in-law puts her on a pedestal and thinks she's the, the goddess Devi. And and then he convinces all around her in the town that she is a goddess and can heal anyone. And that kind of blind faith in this film... That really explores the religious dogmatism. That is the only true, you know, right religion. That's the only way. Right. If you don't believe in her, then you are a heathen. And once her husband comes and sees the whole town just kind of reacting to her being worshipped and revered, he freaks out and literally tries to put a stop to it. But but by that point, it's too far. It's, it's too far too, gone. She's too far in, basically. Yeah. And, and everyone's been blinded to the fact that they end up inevitably losing her nephew because the young children who get sick is her nephew and someone close to her, to Devi. And she can't do anything to heal him that's when she realizes like oh because she she's like literally made to believe that she is the goddess herself and she even falls into the trap it's almost kind of like a cult-ish aspect to the film where you know everyone's worshiping her and you get to the point where you start to believe their insanity and i think that's a really i, I haven't really seen too many films like this that it's so blatant response to the culture and the mythology that is so prevalent in the Indian culture itself. I feel with Rai, as opposed to some other directors we've looked at so far, his messages are a lot more on the nose to me. He doesn't try to really hide what he's trying to say. It, it's subtly done in a certain way, but they have a very strong message to each film. You know, Charlotte, the message is what it means to be a modern woman and to follow your heart and and do what you want and not be imprisoned by and held down by the shackles of your culture and your societal barriers that prevent you from moving forward in your life. And then with Devi, it's the whole hindrance of the religious deification and blind faith that people just follow a, a, a god or a goddess. He's all about like humans being imprisoned in something and then they inevitably have to then break free of that prison. Yeah, like like I was saying, you know, in, in Devi, she she's at the highest she possibly can be, but at the same time she's in prison. And then in Sharolata, she's at the lowest she could possibly be. And she's in prison. But yeah, like you said, exactly. It's the juxtaposition. You take you could take somebody that's at their highest and still be trapped and at their lowest and, you know, be trapped, which I think is such a, a brilliant way of, you know, telling two different stories with similar themes, but also throwing in other things as well. And each have their own sense of idealistic universalism to the films. You know, they embrace what culture they're in. However, they give the viewer the chance to interpret and also decide and connect with these characters that are representations of certain aspects of actual society. And I think he uses metaphor a lot, too, in the films as, as well, especially in Charolata with the swing scene, you know, like when she's with a mall in the garden. You know, that's that's the space where Charo gets inspiration of what she might write about. And that swing scene is gorgeous because it's it's a point of view shot and the camera literally is just in front of her and you get the sense of motion it draws you into the indecision 
of Charu if she wants to go forward with the relationship she's kind of building with Amal or, you know, stay stuck in the past. Well, it's interesting, you know, you're talking about drawing you in, right? I found it interesting how Rai would describe scenes, you know, to the actors and then basically just allow them to create. And because that you get that, you know, more human believability quality to a believability to a scene, you know, as opposed to I want you to do this and this and this when you when you don't, you know, give direct direction, you kind of have that freedom to move organically how you would move through a space. Rai didn't really have a he had a sense of what the script was. He would sit down with the actors and he wouldn't tell them like, you have to do it this way. He left it up to their interpretation of the script and the characters themselves. And he allowed his characters to play within the space and find their character. Which from an acting standpoint, that's like, that's like winning the lottery. Yeah, like that's like the best to director to have. Yeah, you know? like, okay, you 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 go out there and you do this. I'll kind of give you a little idea. That's fun. That's just creating. That's the best. <laughs> exactly. And Rai was an artist himself. He was a writer. You know, he's a director. You know, he's also a musician. He puts a lot of himself into the films as well as allows... Uh, his actors to come along and make sure everyone's included in the process of filmmaking, which is for a director that's so important because then you get great performances from your actors. And especially I felt like Devi not so much because I think Rai did that in 1960. So it was like four years earlier. I think he was kind of just wetting his feet with that film to kind of set up what he would then inevitably then adapt into Charolata. With Devi, he was taking a pre-existing piece of literature and turning it into a film. Which is always tough to do. Yeah, and you never can get it quite right. I mean, there's a lot of films that they they just either miss the mark or they just totally don't even follow the essence of what the source material is. They were saying with Charlotte, though, uh, it was based on the 1901 novella The Broken Nest by Tagore. There are some things that Rai did differently, but in the book, it works from a cinematic standpoint. It probably wouldn't. So there's always that fine line of what do you keep in? What do you take out and such? Oh, and I feel from a story standpoint, just in general, I feel like Charolata is a much more complex story. Yeah. Yeah. The, the simplicity of Devi is very just in your face and there's no real subtlety with it. It's just, no, it's like, this is what's going on. Yeah. You see, I'm, this is the message I'm trying to tell you about. Charolata, it's a little bit more reserved. It's a little bit more hidden. Yeah, and it has a very mise-en-scene sense. And also, you know, he allows us to be in the interior space of the scenes that he's showing. A prime example is the first opening sequence when we are introduced to Charu herself. She is in that living room and she literally almost blends into the shot itself because she's a part of the furniture in a way. We follow Charu as she, you know, picks up the glasses to look out and try to see what's in the outside world. But she's so taken by what she sees and she wishes for a better life. Showing that, Rai is showing us her entrapment, her prison that we're stuck in and her wanting out. Talking about Rai and into the different shots that were throughout the film, I think we have to mention the final shot of Charlotte with the freeze frame. She opens the door for her husband to come back in and you just see their hands and it freezes. And I loved, you know, that that's a reference to the 400 blows by Truffaut. 
I know that was such a great hearkening back to Truffaut's brilliant film, 400 Blows, where they freeze frame on the last scene is it's a freeze frame on the hands, I believe, I think. And it was just rise nod to Western culture there and that transition into the modern world. It leaves the ending kind of up to you. That too, which I like because there's some stuff that should be unsaid. You know, it leaves it up for interpretation that the audience will hope for that better future for those characters and also for India itself. Even some of the directors we've watched in the past, a lot of films, you know, have kind of told the same story about the progress of women. The sad thing is, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, better than it was, but the sad thing is we're, we're still a lot in the same same vein as Charlotte is looked at. Yeah. It's definitely progressed more, but... Yeah, in some societies, women aren't getting education, women aren't progressing and such. It's sad that, like, this film was done back in the 60s and we're still going through, to, through it to this day. It really is just mind-blowing. I mean, even here in the U.S. But, you know, I think with these films, it gives them a sense of timelessness, too, because a lot of archetypal themes that show up in these films that we've covered, they pertain to the current political, societal, cultural, um, religious climate of the day that you would be watching it in. And we take in that certain connection with these films. And, and I, I find that even just rewatching Charlotte for like a second time, it's like I, I watched it, I think, three years ago and, and or no, no, gosh, Longer than that. I think it was like 11 years ago. In a galaxy far, far, far away. away. <laughs> uh, when, <laughs> when I was much younger and a wee lad, it was about like 11 years ago when I saw this in college and I didn't pick up on as much of the subtleness of what Rye was trying to say. Because, you know, at the time, sometimes you're not mature enough or you're you're not looking for those things. And I, I find like seeing it for a second time, it was like, oh, I picked up more on the message. And I think that's the beauty, you know, like you use this word a couple of times in our series so far, timelessness. And I think that's what makes the film great, right? You can go back and watch it. So for example, you know, you were in college, you saw Charlo out there for the first time, you're watching it again, and now you're picking up much more on the actual meaning. These are great films in themselves, but they have these meanings underneath. And that's something I'm finding myself too, you know, even watching our Christmas films, right? Third Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life, classic Christmas films. There's actually a super important underlying meaning hidden in those films that focuses on society today as it was, you know, back then. Exactly. You know, like with these films that we're covering, it's there's messages that are to be discussed and also absorbed into uh, what we're listening and such. Rai puts a lot of himself into his films and like most directors do. Rai, he, he was a very poignant observer of people. Just the subtlety of certain movements that the actors would do. They all knew how to view society and just human beings and like how they act around each other. I always find that interesting with his films that he allows those actors to find those subtleties and those nuances. And with Charolata going back to the humanity side, because it seems like we always end up back in the humanity side. Imagine that, right? Film about... I'm a humanist at heart, guys. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, so... But the film also really allows us to explore the thing of you don't realize how important something is until it's gone. It's real life. And, you know, nothing against your blockbusters and things like that, right? But these are the type of films that 
really make you question and allow us to do this podcast right here. This is the type of stuff that we as society really need to continue to watch. And I, I know I've gone on my soapbox about this in a past thing. I'm going to keep it very brief. But what we're watching is real life. We've watched films from all over the world, from directors from all different walks of life, cultures, religions, you, you know, name it. And they all still have the same messages. I think that's just incredible. Well, film is, it's a universal language. It's, it's a great form of art that allows us to break down certain barriers that are in a society. You know, you'll have these individuals break free from that restrictiveness. People who have a voice and want to be heard and have something to say, and they'll find a way to say it and make that film. And then the rest of us you know, just benefit from having those voices be the forerunners to start the conversation. Because you need to have that in a society where you question things that are wrong or things that you do not agree with. You should be questioning. It keeps popping up, you know, in Middle Eastern culture, Indian culture, American culture, Chinese, Japanese, you know, Asian culture, like everywhere. It, it's, a, as you said, a universal theme. That's the beauty of art. Even when the artist is gone, the art stays. If you like this episode, follow us on social media at Film Detectives for further news and upcoming shows. Join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.